All right. Well, uh, so for the next four weeks, uh, we're going to be talking about discipleship. And we're taking a month-long break from our trip through the Bible. And uh, we're just going to be focusing on the the topic of discipleship. And this is partially uh, plagiarized (laughs) because I heard that Chad was doing this at TCF. And I said, hey, that, that would be a good idea for us. But I really do think this is a great time for us to um, consider one of the core uh, topics that we, uh, that we are called to live out as Christians, but that also particularly our church has, has always uh, held dear. The idea of discipleship um, is something that we take very seriously. So uh, we're going to be talking about discipleship, and I don't really have any kind of neat schematic for the way that we're going to talk about it. I thought about um, having like four catchy words, like discipleship is blank, and have a different theme each week. And, um, that didn't work out. I, I tried to uh, <laughs> I tried to do it. I, I scrapped it all this afternoon. Um, so I'm just going to talk about things that I think are important for us to know about discipleship. Is that, that all right? Okay, so we'll leave it at that. And. Uh, like I said last week, feel free to bring new people around. This would be good. Anyone that, um, that's new that you've met on campus or whatever, uh, it would be good for them to, to be here. It'll be tailored to kind of the basics of discipleship. Um, so let me, just, let me just open by kind of clarifying some terms. And then I want to talk about a particular couple of scriptures that have to do with discipleship from the Gospels. Um, disciple, a disciple, and this is, I got this from uh, Dallas Willard's awesome book, The Divine Conspiracy. Uh, I highly recommend that book. Um, speaking of plagiarism, I'll probably be plagiarizing a lot from that book <laughs> throughout the, these teachings. Um, but I'm going to give his definition, and I'm going to give the definition that Chad gave at TCF last week, too, of, of a disciple. Someone, this is from Dallas Willard, someone who has decided, this is a disciple, not necessarily a disciple of Jesus, but this is what a disciple is. Someone who has decided to be with another person in order to become capable of doing what that person does or to become what that person is. And I think the idea, discipleship is sort of a strange word uh, to a lot of people. I think the idea that really gets at what a disciple is, is that of an apprentice. Right? And even that's not, we don't have apprentices so much anymore. Um, but if you were a, a, an expert in a trade, someone who wanted to learn that trade could come and be with you just as you're coming and going and watching you work and learning from you in order to become skilled at that trade. Um, <laughs> one of the best uh, modern examples of this that I have uh, seen recently is there's a movie called Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Have you seen that movie? Or do you know what that movie is about? I think it's on Netflix. might be still. But it's a great picture of just the whole concept of apprenticeship. This, this one guy in Japan just dedicated his life to serving the, greatest, the world's greatest sushi. And he learned everything about the fish. And he himself goes to the market, the perfect rice, the perfect temperatures, the perfect process. And he just honed this over years and years and years and years. And he has a couple sons who work with him. And they work with him for decades and decades, and he's still teaching them. So it's, a, it's this long process with a lot of details involved. And that sort of gets at the idea of discipleship. 
So what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus then? Obviously, we are not, um, we are not learning from Jesus how to uh, be the, be the uh, savior of the world, to go die for the sins of the world, to, bring atone, to make atonement between, uh, between man and God, and the things that only Jesus could accomplish. We're not learning how to do those things. What we are doing is we are devoting our entire life to learning from him how to live our particular lives. Okay? And I think it, there is a way that Jesus would live your life if it were him. And that's what we are trying to learn from Jesus. Okay? Everybody has a different life. Not everyone is called to do the same thing. Not everyone is called to do all the exact things. And I would say that very few of us, probably none of us, are called to do some of the exact things that Jesus did. Like, um, you're called to go and feed 5,000 people miraculously. You may be. But that's what, what, what Jesus would... The thing about that is that that's what the Father told Jesus to do in that time. And he was obedient. And he did it. All right? And we are learning from Jesus how to do the things that the Father wants us to do at any given time, in any given place, and to be obedient and to do that. Maybe miraculous, maybe pretty mundane. A lot of the things Jesus did was very mundane. Okay? He lived a human life. I'm sure he picked out the kind of clothes and sandals that he was going to wear. Right? He did that in the, within the Father's will. So discipleship to Jesus means learning from him how to live your particular life in the way that he would if he were living it. All right. Um, another definition of a disciple, and this is Chad's, is someone who has oriented their entire life around learning from Jesus. Someone who has oriented their entire life around learning from Jesus. All right, so there's just sort of like a baseline. What, is, what are we talking about when we're talking about discipleship? This idea of apprenticeship, um, but also specifically in discipleship to Jesus, it's learning how to live life in the way that Jesus would live it. Another, another biblical term for that would be uh, living or entering the kingdom of God. All right, whenever you read that in the Gospels, entering the kingdom of God, it means that now you are living life in the way that God wants. That's what it means to be in the kingdom of God. Living life in the way that God wants. That's it. You know, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, we, it can get kind of mystical and confusing. But when it comes down to it, it just means living life the way that God wants. And that's what a disciple learns from Jesus how to do. Jesus knows the kingdom. He's the embodiment of the kingdom. He knows the ins and outs. He knows how God likes it. He knows how human life was created to work. He knows the uh, capacity of the Holy Spirit, right? The supernatural capabilities of God the Father through the Holy Spirit. And he knows how to bring those to bear on a, a situation. So discipleship is learning from Jesus how to live life, all right? Um, so I want to talk about a particular aspect of discipleship that we see in the Gospels, and that is the idea of the cost of discipleship. The cost of discipleship. Right? Jesus called people to follow him. And uh, we looked at some of this on Thursday night at our campus team. So uh, pardon me if this is a repeat for you. 
Uh, but Jesus, one of the very first things he did is he passed some, by some guys and he said, come follow me. It says they left their nets and followed him. They left their lives behind and followed him. All right. Um, but as he went along through his ministry, he, there, there's what were, what were called the, the popular phase of his ministry where he got really popular and there were great crowds and everyone. And then he starts to winnow it down. And starts to clarify what it really means to be his disciple. Right? There were a lot of people following him. So in Luke 14, Luke 14, this is um, towards a period of his ministry where he's beginning this, this process of clarifying and narrowing down the great masses of people that are following him and that their curiosity has been piqued by this guy and well, he's, he's miraculous and he's speaking with authority and we're amazed at some of the things that he does. What's he all about? And then Jesus starts to clarify what it really means to be a disciple and what it really takes to be called a disciple. So uh, Luke 14, verse 25. Now, great crowds accompanied him, right? Lots of people around. They were accompanying him. And he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. There's some stipulations. And they're pretty Stiff stipulations, right? You have to hate everything about your... You've got to turn your back on everything that you know. And not just... I mean, he's, he doesn't really mention any sins here. <laughs> he mentions just like necessary life things. Like you have a mother and a father. And everything that you know. Everything that has made, who, made you who you are. Leave it all. Even your own life. Forsake it. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, when the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now, we have to get clear on what what he's actually saying here. He's saying, if you want to be my disciple, what's a disciple? Someone who orients their whole life around learning from Jesus. So he says, if you want to be my disciple, you have to be all in. You can't be curious. You can't be part of the great crowd that pops in every now and then. You hear what he's saying? If you want to be my disciple, you have to give it all. Renounce it all. You can't audit a class. (laughs) And learn from Jesus. It won't happen. Right? 
you can't take it, you know, you can't put it on your podcast and get, it, get to it every now and then when you're in the car. Right? That's not how Jesus goes about teaching people how to live life in the kingdom. It is an intensive, immersive program that he's calling people to. You can learn a lot of interesting stuff by kind of following Jesus around. And you can kind of feel good about some of the things that he's saying. And you can kind of say, wow, this is, this is pretty wise. And you can witness some amazing things. But you're not his disciple. Okay? You're not someone who's learning how to live life in the kingdom. You see this? There are a lot of people who accompany Jesus in the church. In America, who associate with Jesus, there are not nearly as many disciples. People who have oriented their whole life around learning from Jesus. And he says, if you want to be my disciple, that's what it takes. It's, it's like signing up for the military. Right? That's, that's a full commitment. You know, for the next four years, <laughs> you do what someone tells you. You can't, I mean, there are very few exceptions, right, in the military for being able to, to get out of that training. All right. So here's a story a couple chapters later about a particular guy uh, who wants to, as he says, inherit eternal life. He wants to live that kingdom life. All right. Uh, Luke 18. This is a pretty well-known story, uh, but it's relevant to this idea of counting the cost. Luke 18, 18. And a ruler asked him, good teacher. And that's how someone, that's how a disciple would would address their mentor or their master. Good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a great question. That's the question a disciple would ask. All right? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. These are the things that life is like. This is life in the kingdom. It's spelled out pretty clearly in the law. And Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. So he says... You're familiar with the law, aren't you? And he said, all these I have kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, and in one of the Gospels it says, he looked at him and he loved him. He knew. He knew this guy's deal. He says, one thing you still lack. He wants to be good. He wants to be a disciple. One thing you lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Leave it all. Forsake it all. And when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. The cost was too high. He could not fathom so high a cost to follow Jesus. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is. For those who have wealth 
to enter the kingdom of God. In other words, to be a disciple. Being a disciple and entering the kingdom of God are really the same thing. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? So there's an aspect to the call of Jesus on our lives that should elicit in us the response, whoa, well then who who can be saved? Who's that for? I don't know if it's for me. All right? Basically, what he's saying to this particular young man, this rich young ruler, is that discipleship cannot be simply a topping off of your idea of good, of the good life. You think what you have is pretty good. And you're here to kind of include this thing that that might be missing a little bit from your great life. And I'm not going to do that. You're going to have to scrap all of that and learn from me, really learn from me, what good means. So we are often left with the disciples uh, wondering who can be saved. If we've really understood the call of what it means to become a disciple, if we've really heard the call... Something in us should grieve. Something in us should say, wow. (laughs) Well, how much is it? Oh, whoa. All right. But here's where a couple other stories in the gospel are really helpful. Let me just start by saying, by reading the rest of this. And this gives us a little picture of something that a couple parables in Matthew will really fill out for us. So the disciples say, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with men is possible with God. And Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many more times in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Okay, so you need to understand the cost of discipleship. It costs everything. Okay, but there's another part of the Gospels you need to understand. And we need to be able to articulate this. Matthew 13. Discipleship costs everything. <clears throat> Matthew thirteen forty four. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he all that he has. And buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, there's no grief in either of these people in these parables. And in fact, in the first one, it says that he, in his joy, went and sold all that he had. 
So what's the difference? You can either focus on the cost of discipleship, which you need to understand, but you also need to understand that it's relative to the value of Jesus, to the worth of Jesus. When you see Jesus, you understand that the cost of discipleship is is a steal. And that's what the rich young ruler couldn't see. He saw his life as worth something. And Jesus' call as a crushing blow to that. In the other parables, they see the immense value of the treasure. And the minuscule cost relative to that value. This is what a disciple really understands. You understand the cost. It costs everything. And you can't get around that. But it's worth everything. Jesus is worth everything and more. If you really understand who he is. If you really see him. So... I believe that, that often the reason we can, look, we can look around and we can see there are very few true disciples of Jesus. A lot of people associate themselves with Jesus. There really aren't very, tr- very many true disciples of Jesus. People who have, there are, the, there are some, and I, I think that there's a, a vibrant group of them here in this room. Okay. But it's pretty obvious that discipleship, I mean, you can talk to any head of any denomination say we really need greater understanding of discipleship in the church in America and I think it's because of what Jesus said is true right? we're, we're rich we don't see we see it as a great cost and so we don't want to pay that cost so we just maintain this sort of association with Jesus and we never press through into being true disciples and learning life from him because Jesus, that's the thing. Jesus isn't going to teach you unless you really want to learn. But he will. And he's, he's more than able to. I believe that the reason not a lot of people become true disciples is they really don't know what Jesus is worth. They really haven't seen it. They've been blinded to it by wealth or by lies or by something. But the challenge and the cost of discipleship, which is very real, leaves them in a state of grief and they just would rather not deal with that. The thought of giving up wealth, whether it's money or whether it's status or just the way you like your life, your, you know, the, your self-image your routines, whatever, you, whatever it is that you like about your life, the thought of just forsaking that is too, is too much, and it leaves you with a state of, of grief, and, and you tend to avoid then the real call of God to discipleship. But the good news is that Jesus understands this. Right? He understands the sorrow that we feel. He looked at that rich young man, and he loved him. He knew. <laughs> he knew what the problem was. And he, he continued to speak truth to him. He understands the sorrow that we feel when he asks us to give up that one thing we just really wish he hadn't brought up. 
But that's exactly what he's going to go for because that's what's keeping us from really learning how to live the life of the kingdom from him. And so he tells us in Matthew 7, which, by the way, is in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, which is his master class on how to live life in the kingdom. He says, ask and what will be given to you. Seek and you will find. What are we to ask for? What are we to seek? The treasure. The pearl. You're not a disciple because you haven't seen the value of Jesus. And so the cost just isn't worth it in your perception. If you will not agree right now to give everything, but if you will ask Jesus to show you his value, show you his worth, he will show you. And if you keep asking and keep seeking and keep knocking, you will reach a place of joy and you will go sell everything you have and buy that field. I guarantee you. If you honestly seek to see the worth of Jesus, you will find it. And in your joy, you will sell everything you have to buy that field. If you haven't been truly gripped by the incredible worth of Jesus, you haven't become his disciple because you haven't really given everything up. But if you haven't seen it, you can ask him and he will show it to you. And that's awesome. And there's, a, there's a, all through the Gospels, you can see places where people kind of see it, but they don't really, and Jesus sticks with them, and they finally see it. Um, you can read the Gospels, and you can see him. You can pray and, and ask for the Holy Spirit, and he will give it to you. He says, ask, seek, knock. For which of you has a father who, when the son asks him for bread, gives him a rock? If you want to ask Jesus, show me who you are, he'll show you because he's, he's a loving father. Amen? The father loves to show Jesus to people. And he does it through the word, right? We can see Jesus in here if we're looking for him. And he does it by the Holy Spirit. You can read the word and the Holy Spirit will come and you will see Jesus. And it's a very real thing. And you'll understand the joy of selling everything you have and following him. The Father loves to show people who Jesus is. When Jesus was baptized, he came out of the water, and there was a voice from heaven that said, This is my Son, my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. I love the way he lives life. And then the Holy Spirit came down and rested on him. When Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, there was a voice out of heaven, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. He knows how to live life. The Father loves to show people who Jesus is and point to say, that is what I'm looking for. Listen to him. And if you seek that, the Father loves to show it to you because he wants to give that to you if you want to see it. And that will be the thing, the only thing that will cause you then 
to enjoy, go sell everything you have and follow him. So that's, that's the cost of discipleship. Um, that's a great phrase. I think it's a helpful phrase. But whenever you hear the cost of discipleship, I also want you to hear the worth of Jesus. The cost of discipleship is real, but the worth of Jesus is worth it. The value of Jesus is worth it. This is just basic economics, <laughs> right? If I say that I'll sell you my, uh, my minivan for $10,000, it's not really worth $10,000. But I say that, hey, I'll sell you this minivan here for, for $3. Enjoy, you would get out your wallet and okay, deal, done. It's worth it. It's a great van. Right? And, and how much more the worth of Jesus than what we think we have in our lives? What we're sorrowful to give up. There is nothing that compares to Jesus. Um, so, that's, the, that's our first idea around discipleship. The cost of discipleship but the, but the worth of Jesus. So um, a lot of people have asked me what our reading assignment is going to be um, during this month. And here's, here's what I want you to do. The reading assignment is this. Look for Jesus. I don't want you to check off a list. I'm not going to give you a chapter. I'm like, well, I'll give you a couple suggestions. <laughs> I'm not going to leave the I'm not going to leave the people without without any direction. But this is the reading assignment. We're going to we want to ask, seek, and knock, and we're going to do that in the Word of God. All right. Spend time. This is the reading assignment. Spend time asking God to show you Jesus's worth, and He can do that in one verse, or He can do it in a book. Or he can do it in a psalm. So the reading assignment is not so much what to read, but it's how to read. Okay? We want to ask ourselves, and, and Father, show me Jesus' worth. And go where that takes you. If you don't know where to go, uh, Mark is a great place to start. Or any of the Gospels. Right? Obviously, if you want to read about Jesus... First place you go is the Gospels. Mark is concise. <laughs> it's about discipleship. It's about the clarity of the call of Jesus. Um, John is a great place to start. Matthew, Luke, any of the Gospels. All right. Uh, but but really, you can find Jesus in any part of Scripture, and that's actually a big reason why we go through the whole Bible regularly. So we can see Jesus in all of it. But that's it. The reading assignment is spend time every day. I, I, w- I would challenge you to do it every day. I don't care if it's five minutes or five hours. But spend time every day in Scripture asking the Father to show you Jesus' worth by the Holy Spirit. Ask, seek, not, and he'll show it to you. And that'll do way more than any teaching, than any reading assignment, than any discipleship program will ever do for you. When you see Jesus, 
when it clicks for you, you'll sell everything that you have. All right, so that's, that's our reading assignment for the next three weeks. It's open-ended, right? You may, you may want to spend time in the Psalms. You may want to spend time, I would say, start in the Gospels, but then go where that, go where that leads you. There's some great passages in Paul that exalt Jesus for who he is. Colossians 1, Philippians 2, Philippians 3. These great passages about who Jesus really is. Okay? So, not what to read, but how to read. We're going to spend a month doing that. And we'll get back on track. I think we're going to dive back into uh, numbers <laughs> once we get there. <laughs> Counting things and people. Um, but that's it. I want to spend a month just seeking Jesus for who he is. Seeking his beauty. Seeking his wisdom. And uh, cultivating in our hearts that desire to give sell everything and follow him. Amen? Can we do this? I'm excited. This is going to be a good month. Um, this will do way more than any home group or, or anything they could ever do. Right? And this is really what we should, how we, we should be reading the Bible anyway. <laughs> so, but we're just going to strip it away and uh, seek Jesus in the word. All right. So um, we're going to do communion here at the end. And this is a place... To see the value of Jesus, to see his worth. This is the one through whom the world was created. Made himself, um, made himself a man. And let me just go ahead and read from Philippians 2. And this will be our call to communion. This is one of the passages that has gripped me and caused me to want to sell everything and become a disciple of Jesus. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father.